0: The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Welcome to Overland Park Community Church. It's good to have you here today. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 4. We'll be picking up in verse 7. Um, I've really been enjoying uh, teaching through this book, and I hope you've enjoyed um, it, and it's challenged you. We've talked a lot about love. And I've said a lot of times, talking about, um, you know, th- this is we're not just talking about love like the world would think and understand love. Um, there, there, are different, there are different kinds of love. And so we look at a, a man and a woman um, who has children and are married, uh, and we say, okay, they don't know Jesus. Do they love each other? Well, of course they do. Um, do they love each other uh, like a person who is a, a Christian and they're Christian parents? Yeah, they they do. There's a lot that's very similar about those loves, those two types of loves. But, there, but there's, there's a difference in the heart of the believer. There's a difference in the ability. And so when we, when we talk about does everyone love the same, the answer to the question is no. Everyone does not love the same. As a matter of fact, um, we have an imperfect love, and we have a perfect love. And so by the world's definition, when we look at what most people mean by love, I love you, or oh, I I love this, and we've really cheapened the word, um, like I love ice cream, right? I, I hope that I mean something different when I say I love Abby than when I say I love ice cream. And so when we talk about love, from the from this perspective of God, there is an imperfect love, and there is a perfect love, and the perfect love is divine and holy. And so it's 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 talked about in the Bible as the word agape, and so it is it is a, an ability to love like the Father loves. It's holy love, and when we think in terms of all of the other types of love, uh, the Greeks had several words to describe love. They they would use um, uh, the word eros, and it was romantic and and sexual love and passion. Uh, there was uh, the word philea; it's friendship, and it's the ability to love. Um, in, in just like a, an enjoyment of another human being uh, with no eros involved. Uh, there's um, the word uh, storge, and it means affection, that we love and we show affection uh, to each other. The words that we say and the things that we do and the actions, even physical, um, you know, a hug, a handshake. And then um, there is uh, the word charity is a gift love, and you're, you're gifting your love to someone. As we think in terms of all of these different types of descriptions of love, um, when the agape enter, enters the, question, the equation, then we have the ability to take all of those types of loves and, and do them supernaturally. And so we're not just doing them in our own power anymore. We're doing them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so a person who does not know Jesus, like they don't know him personally, they are incapable of this kind of love that John is talking about. That's what he's saying through this whole letter is like you cannot love like this if you don't know Jesus. You can love, but you cannot love like this. And so if you're gonna love life, you gotta be able to love like this because this is, this is what we're, we're created to do. God, the creator, the father, he designed us and he designed us to be able to love like this yet without a relationship with him, we are incapable of loving like this. So it's all about um, centering our lives on Jesus and allowing him to transform us in such a way that we are capable of loving like he does. And so we have to ask the question, okay, what is this love? And thankfully, John answers it for us as we unpack these verses today in in 1 John chapter 4, and he says this, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. You see that? Like, like when this love that John is talking about, he's like, man, the people who can do this have been born of God, they know God intimately. They are walking in relationship with him. Whoever does not love does not know God. And so the people who are incapable of this, they have no idea what it means to be in a relationship with um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so he says, uh, because... God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. And so we ask the question what is love? Here it is, right here. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Now, watch this. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love. That's what the Bible tells us. So what does that mean? Well, if you look at different translations, the New American Standard, the King James, you'll find this word propitiation. And that's a word we don't use all the time, right? And so it says that in this place where it says that he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice, it would say he sent his son as a propitiation. Um, for our sins. He propitiated our sins on the Son. This is love. Not that God looked at us and said, oh, look, man, there's, I'll pick on people, there's Mike Fields. I love that guy. So I'm gonna come to the world for him. No, or no, no, let me back up. He did do it that way. He said, Sorry, Mike. <laughs> but he said, <laughs> he said, he said, well, that guy loves me. And so I'm going to come to the world for him. No. That guy didn't care anything about God. She looked down at at Morgan. She said, Morgan, that guy loves me. No. Morgan didn't love God. Nobody in this room loved God. Like, he says that in um, this point, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. The Bible teaches very clearly that while we were still enemies, <laughs> enemies don't love each other. While we were enemies with God, he sent his son to die for us. That is gift love. That is looking at a person who does not deserve anything. See, a lot of times the world, when we think in terms of love, it's not this kind of love. It's, it's a need love. It's, it's I love in order to be loved. And so I look at an individual and I do things for an individual and I love them so that they will love me back. And, and I love them, kind of sometimes I love them just because I need to get some love out. It's kind of a need thing to do. But this says that that God looks at us not as a need love. God didn't need anything from us. He looked at us in our helplessness. He sent his son, which basically means... He became a human in the form of Jesus Christ. And Jesus came to the world to propitiate our sins. While we were enemies with God and did not know God, and he propitiated all of our sins onto the Son. So he takes all of Morgan's sins. He takes all of Mike's sins. He takes all of Jimmy's sins. Morgan and Mike, I hope y'all are encouraged today. And he puts them on the sun. And so he he does it. This is love. They could like even myself included, like he looks and he takes my sins and he puts them on the sun. He propitiates them on the sun. And when he does that, he changes when a person. When a person comes to that recognition of this is what God did. I was helpless in my sins and trespasses. I was, I was dead in them. I was incapable of knowing God. But the Lord draws me unto himself, as Jesus said in the Gospel of John, and I respond with submission. <laughs> lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down at the feet of Jesus. Lay that life down. At the feet of Jesus. And in that moment, that's what that, that, that phrase in that passage of Scripture, we are born of God. When we lay it all down, not at God's, like, like, man, there's so many people that talk about God. And I don't know which God they're talking about. But I'm talking about Jesus. A recognition of the deity of Jesus Christ. Christ in the flesh. like lay it down at the feet of Jesus, and when a person does that, they are born of God, their sins are propitiated onto the Son, and the righteousness of Christ is given to them. Like that's the theology of the New Testament because that, that Jesus, like this is love, like our sins are taken off of us, they're put on to the Son and his righteousness is put into us, and we are born of God. And that's why there's so much talk of being born again in the Bible, because there's this is a supernatural experience that happens to a person. So Jesus, his it, it, when we look at him, we see that this is love personified. Holy love is a gift love. And so when... Uh, to be born of God is to know love, because in this moment of this being born again, we receive his nature. Like before I'm born of God, I don't know that nature. I'm incapable of that kind of love. I don't even know what that love means. But when my sins are propitiated on the sun, can I come to that aha moment of my burden has been lifted. I'm no longer guilty before God. I am transformed into a new creation and Christ's righteousness is in me. Why? Is it because, why well, I went to church enough time? No. Like nothing I could do to, could put me in that position, but everything Jesus did paid the price. And so it's a recognition of that. And when that happens, then all of a sudden, God's love is in me. And so he says um, in, in uh, verse 11, Dear friends, since God so loved us, like he gifted us that love, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Like, hey, come on, man. Like his love is made complete in us whenever we experience him. Now, we look at it like, I think this is important theology for you to understand. We cannot enter heaven by working. We cannot enter heaven by loving. And a lot of people think that. Why do you think you're going to go to heaven? Well, I've been pretty good. I love my neighbors. When they're gone, I take care of their pets, and I'll even mow their yard without them asking me. You're a good old boy. But that doesn't get you in heaven. No one entered heaven by working at the church. No one entered heaven by loving um, the people at the church. No one ever entered heaven that way, but everyone in heaven worked and loved that way. But they did it because of something that happened to them, not because they were trying to get in through the pearly white gates. They did it because of what they were, not because they were trying to do something to please God. God just changed them, man, and they couldn't help but loving like that. This is what John is trying to say as the world looks at us, man, as we got to be people of love. Why? Because that's what God is. God is love is what he's trying to hammer home to us. And he's saying, if you're going to love life, you're going to have to love people, but you're incapable of loving people the way that God loves people unless you are born of God. This is why Jesus said in the, um, uh, Ma- Matthew chapter five in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most difficult uh, sermons to ever apply to your life. You've heard it said um, uh, to, to hate your enemies, but I say, love your enemies and pray for them. What? If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek also. What is Jesus saying? He's, he, he's, if your right arm causes you to sin, cut it off. Is he telling us, like, literally that these are the things that we do? No, know, he's saying that my whole mission is to change you into that kind of person that you could never be on your own, in your own power. See, it's a transformation, and he's setting them up for that. He's setting them up to try to live a life that they could never live in their own power. But when the gospel impacts us and when we meet Jesus, he changes us into something uh, uh, different. And we're going to see that in, in, in the text today. So what we look at and what John is lining out for us in, in each one of these chapters is that, that God, his love is proclaimed in the word. That's why we should read it. It's like the, the love of God is proclaimed in the word. It, it is proved at the cross. Like the love of of God is proved at the cross of Christ. But here's the good news for you today. It is perfected in the believer. And so for those of us who are are following Jesus, it's all about the love of God being perfected in our lives. When God's love is perfected in us, we and others will know it. Like as, as I preach through this message, if you're going, man, I... I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if that's me. Then I would probably push back and lean into you a little bit and say, I don't know if you know Jesus. Because I know that the love of God is being perfected in me. And I can promise you that other people know that the love of God is being perfected in me, especially of those who knew Jimmy before Jesus. Like they can see the love of God being perfected in my life. It totally altered the way I lived, the direction I was traveling, the way that I did things, and it still does today. Like, I'm not, I'm not a perfect person, but the love of God is being perfected in my life, which means that I'm constantly going through this process called sanctification, which is a spiritual term that just means I'm growing spiritually. That's why I said a few weeks ago, if you're at the same place you were six months ago, there's a problem, because you ought to be being perfected in the love of God and we never do get there to that perfect place of the love of God being finished with us until we die and we enter into glory then then we enter into that perfect domain but until then we're just constantly being changed as our sins have been propitiated on the son his righteousness has been put into us and now that righteousness is to grow and we are to become the same kind of thing as Jesus and we will see that here in a moment and so verse 13 he says this this is how we uh, know that we live in him and he in us he has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, you see how everything hinges on Jesus. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. I love that verse, man. We know and we rely on the love God has for us. And here, like, here's what he says. God is love. Now, don't get this mixed up. Love is not God. God is love. There's a whole movement that started of free thinkers that tried to switch that around, that love is God. Love is not God. God is love. And so we have to look to God to see what love is. And he says, whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. Here's that whole whole concept of abiding in Jesus and like just bearing fruit and walking with God. Love, again, is not God, but God is love. He defines it, and when his love is being perfected in us, John teaches us that we will be marked by four characteristics. So here they come. Like, these are things that as you live your life this week, as you go to work, as you lead your family, as you do whatever it is that's out ahead of you this week, here are four things that that are available to the person who has encountered and been born of God that your life ought to be marked by them. Um, First of all, um, perfected love equals confidence. So like... And people are like, man, I, I want my kids to do well in sports, so I'm going to put them in all of these camps. And I'm not anti-camp. My two of my kids are going to a basketball camp later this afternoon. I'm not anti that. But when we think of all of the things that we will do to try to make them be successful athletes, one of the things that we miss that would make them the most successful is impacting their confidence. And so when we see this, uh, that, that perfected love equals confidence in a person's life, the best thing we could do for our children is um, teach them about who Jesus is and that they're walking with Jesus because their confidence will grow. Watch what John says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. He says, look, man, the love of Jesus delivers us from fear and we die unafraid, we don't worry about the impending judgment of God, and regardless of whether a person will admit it or not, even a, an unbeliever, regardless of whether they will admit it or not, they are concerned about what happens at the end of life. Everyone is. Like there's a little bit of scratch in your head. What if there is a God? And so when we look at this from a, a perspective of how to love life, just because of the way that we're wired as image bearers of God, we know down deep in our, the psyche of our soul that we are headed back toward the creator. And that is a fearful thing to think about. Unless your sins have been propitiated on the son. And when they've been propitiated on the sun, it's like a homecoming. It is nothing to be afraid of. And so when we're walking out in faith and we realize that we have been transformed by the power of Christ through his resurrection and him living in us, we're walking through life with confidence, not worried about the impending judgment, and it impacts everything we do because there is a certain amount of mental um, focus that I don't have to use on squashing my anxiety about facing my creator. You see, the world is walking around with that heavy burden and Jesus is, is, has taught us through the Gospels and John, his best friend, is teaching us today that, that we do not have to die unafraid, therefore we do not have to live unafraid. So, perfect love drives out fear and we don't have to worry about the judgment that is coming because when God looks at us, you know what he's gonna look for? He's gonna look for one thing, Jesus. That's it. And if you can't like honestly say, man, look, Jesus is written over my entire being. Then God's going to say, No, I don't know you. Just, Jesus even said this themselves. And many will come in my name and they will say, Did we not cast out demons and help people and do all of these incredible, miraculous things? And Jesus said, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And so it's all about knowing Jesus. And so, when we know Jesus, we do not have to live unafraid and we do not need to fear judgment because we are perfected by the love of God. Like, if you know Jesus, you are perfected by the love of Christ, and God's love is in you, and God is love, and you have recognized that what he did on the cross of Calvary had nothing to do with what you have done, everything to do with what he has done, and he has propitiated your, sons, or your sins and taken them out of you, put his righteousness into you, and so you can confidently look to God as your father, not as a cosmic policeman. There's a lot of people, man, who are going through life, and they were, they're looking at God this way, like God is like looking at us. He's always watching, and every time we mess up, he just, just smacks us on the head like that. That's not what this is teaching. It's teaching that, that what happens is the Spirit of God will convict us, and we'll want to smack our own selves on the head. If your right arm causes you to sin, cut it off. Jesus saying, I'll change you into that kind of person who you would, you would rather like lose your arm than just constantly walk in sin. Why? Because you're gonna recognize the love of God. It's gonna have such a transforming effect on you that you'd rather not have an arm than separate yourself further and further from the Lord of lords and the King of kings. That's what God is, that's what the, the, the word is trying to teach us is, is that we can have confidence, but not only that, perfected love equals honesty. Look what he says in verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Everybody who was to say, "Man, we just need to be real inclusive about teaching the word and stuff," like John says, if you love, if you claim to love God and hate your brother, you're a liar. Like that's pretty, like in your face, man. And that's what the word. That's the way the word is. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen. Cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And so he's talking about this hypocrisy that goes on. And people running around saying that they love God, yet they can't even treat their fellow man the way that God has treated them. Remember what Jesus said the great commandment was: love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. You, see, so you can't run around and say you love God and treat people like dirt, even your enemies. And so we live in this, this, this place where if, there are a lot of people that I think that, that, that in the kingdom, there are, there's a lot of confusion because there's a lot of people who are claiming to know Jesus. But if, if somebody does something to them and wrongs them, you know what their first inclination is, I'm gonna get even with you. I'm, I'm going to make this right. I'm not going to leave it in the hands of God. Not, I'm going to love you. It's always about I'm going to get even. And so when, when, when we, we've met the Lord and he has done a work in our lives like this, he changes us into the kind of people that are honest before him and honest before other people. We are no longer pretenders because divine love is perfected in us. I remember um, shortly after recommitting my life as a, as a young man, 22 years old and I got serious with Jesus. I met Jesus when I was 9. Did pretty good till about 15, rebelled from 15 to 22, but man, I had an aha come to real Jesus moment at 22. And his love, I I understood his love. I didn't understand it, but I think I got it for the first time the depth of it. And it just changed me. And um as I surrendered to it, I laid it down at the feet of Jesus. And I love basketball. I love playing basketball. Just too bad I'm not better at it, right? I remember playing some pickup basketball one, one night um, on Sunday evening. I'm dribbling down the court, and I, or the guy's dribbling down the court, and I'm playing defense against him. And he stepped on the line like I was looking at him. He stepped on the line. It was kind of one of them call your own call, you know, call your, you make your own calls. He steps on the line. I said, bro, you stepped out of bounds. He looked at me and he said, you lie. You're lying, Jimmy. And, and I immediately said, I don't lie. And I, 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 I like what dawned on me walking away from that, because he said, everybody lies. Like that was his worldview. And I was like, no, man, I don't lie. Now, if you'd have talked to me six months ago, maybe I would have been a liar. But something happened to me where I didn't want to lie. And and so like I'm not comfortable with it anymore. And and so that's what's going on here is that we're we become people of honesty. I'm reminded of uh, the story in Acts of Ananias and Sapphira. This guy Barnabas, he's a, a leader in the church as the church is coming out of the ground, man, and and he has some land. And the church, like all these people, were living in Jerusalem because after the the the. Uh, day of Pentecost and the Spirit of God descended upon um, the the people uh, who were believers, there was just miraculous stuff happening all over Jerusalem. And so none of these people went back home. They stayed in Jerusalem and they didn't have work because the Jewish people wouldn't hire them because they weren't following the Judaism as it was being taught all the way back to the beginning. They were were claiming to believe in Jesus. And so it created this um, economic problem among the people because they couldn't find work and there was a great need and they were to love one another and so you know what they were doing they were like Barnabas evidently was a pretty wealthy man he just sold a piece of land brought the money to the apostles and said here use this to care for the people and man, everybody was like whoa that's awesome man Barnabas he just like he loves the Lord like the Lord had moved on his heart and it wasn't a big deal for him and so the, this other couple Ananias and Sapphira they saw that that he had do, done this and they saw what was happening to him. How his, his his esteem among the people were growing. They wanted in on some of that, and so they come and they um, sell a piece of land and and they bring the money to the apostles, but they don't bring the full amount, and they're acting like they do. And so Peter, like men, like this is a time where the, the the like the Lord was moving on the planet like he was during the time of Moses. And so, like, it's a time, like, the Lord was serious about what his church was going to be like. And so they, they ask him, Peter asked him, did, you know, Ananias, did you sell the land for such? And says, yeah, yeah, that's what we sold it for. And he died right on the spot. His wife came in later and asked him, did, did, you, did, did you sell nothing? Yeah, that's what we sold it for. Boom, died on the, right, right on the spot. And Peter said to them, listen, it was your money to keep. You didn't, have to, you didn't have to lie. And so the judgment was not about their giving. It was about their living. They were pretending to be something that they weren't. And God says, I have no time for that, right? And so God looks down at them and he says, look, perfected love equals honesty inside of people. And, and this honesty is not so much about telling the truth, which it is that, but it's honesty with God. Like your perfected, the perfected love of God in us makes us comfortable before God. And so we're an open book before God. We're not trying to pretend to be something that we're not. And that's where our confidence comes from because we know that we're not going to be judged and we can walk with God in this like, like just op- as an open book. And you know what's, what marked Jesus' life that the, the, the gospel writers recorded? He kept continuing to increase in favor with God and man which meant that that the blessing of God was being poured out on his life, that they could recognize it by the power that, that was available to him, and the people around him kept like, they just kept, looking at him favorably. Now, not everybody did, but there was favor happening between God and man. And that's what happens with us when the love of God is being perfected in us. Then we will be increasing with our favor with God and our favor with our fellow man. But not only that, perfected love equals joyful obedience. Look at verses one um, through three of chapter five. Everyone (laughs) who, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And underline this if you're taking notes, and his commands are not burdensome. It feels like, if it feels like a burden for you to obey the Lord, there's something off, man. Something's not going right. You're probably trying to work to please God instead of just obeying God because you realize he's already pleased with you. The Lord not only makes a cheerful giver, he makes a cheerful liver. And so we ought to be walking in obedience and look at obedience and go, I'm not afraid to step into that. But that's not what we often do. We wrestle with our flesh and we go, man, I, I don't know if I wanna give up that. I, uh, my pride gets in the way and we get in this battle. We don't realize it's a spiritual battle that God is trying to perfect his love in us and our pride can get, us, get in the way and keep us from increasing with fa- in favor with God and man. And we try to control things ourselves as, 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 instead of allowing God to lead us along the road of obedience. When divine love is being perfected in you, Guess what you will love? The Word. Now, I'm going to lean into you this morning. Can you all handle that? When divine love is being perfected in you, you will love the Bible. You will not say, I have a difficult time with it. You will not say, "I'm too busy." when divine if you want divine love to be perfected in you, then what happens is is that as Jesus starts moving, You develop a spiritual appetite for the word and you love it and it doesn't bother you when you come across something that convicts you that you see that you're doing wrong. You're like, give me some more of that. I wanna walk out that obedience in my life joyfully and you walk in joyful obedience because you know that God is at work in you. This confidence that we're talking about here, this honesty, this joyful obedience means one thing, perfected love equals victory. Look at verse 4, chapter 5. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Like when we start living this way, man, we start having victory in our lives. God just starts moving in incredible ways, and we are more than overcomers. This is our faith. And we are like Jesus and increase in favor with God and men. This is how the gospel works. This is how it works in our lives. We overcome our challenges because of this love being perfected in us. And I'm encouraged today, and here's the big idea for you. I am encouraged today because the word has taught me Jesus is my perfecter. He's in me, perfecting me. Look at verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So what I would say to you today is I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, come in the flesh, born of a virgin, virgin, died on the cross, risen from the dead, and living in me today. Now, I am born again, (laughs) and I'm being perfected. I'm not perfect. He who says he doesn't have sin is a liar. John's already taught us that. But I'm being perfected. Man, that feels good, guys. Like, I know. I can look like, I don't need you to tell me where there's stuff messed up in my life. I know. But I look and I can see the Lord at work in those places. He kind of bending me and stretching me. Jimmy, I'm gonna move that out. See, Lord, it kind of is, making me uncomfortable. He said, come on, man, I got this. All right, Lord, I've been trusting you for years, and you keep taking me on this journey. And I walk past it, and I'm like, I can look back at things in my life that I used to struggle with I don't even think about anymore. Why? Because I'm being perfected. Don't miss this verse. <laughs> We're going to go back to verse 17 of chapter 4. I want you to see this. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Listen to what John says. In this world, we are like Jesus. Where? In this world. In this world, we are like Jesus, not in heaven. In this world, we are like Jesus. Why? Because he is in us. And he is being perfected. And we can walk out with him as our perfecter. And you go, man, the Lord is in me. If you know Jesus, he is in you today. If you don't know him, he's not in you. And so, well, you say, well, I believe in Jesus. And I think it's important that we come back to this. The Bible tells us even the demons in hell believed that Jesus was the son of God but they were not born of God. And so, like, what I'm teaching you very methodically is that you must be born again. Not you must be Catholic, you must be Baptist, you must be Methodist, you must be, no, you must be born again in Christ. You must lay it all down. At the feet of Jesus, and He will become your perfecter. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.